of coming here on Wednesday nights and seeing our platform full of all of these young, uh, young people that are praising the Lord and lifting Him up. It is just a beautiful sight to see. Amen. I'm thankful. They are doing an awesome job. They are doing a, a tremendous job. And uh, let's be an encouragement to them. Amen. Well, we are going to uh, turn to the book of Haggai again tonight. And believe this is the last night that we will spend in the book of Haggai. We've been there for the past two Wednesdays uh, in this series on building the house. It's really the theme of the book of Haggai, that they would go back and that they would build the house of the Lord. And I was I was thinking about that old song, that children's song. Uh, some of you might know it, Building Up the Temple. Anybody remember that old children's song? Uh, building up the temple, building up the temple, building up the temple of the Lord. Nobody? We have a bunch of no's. Yeah, there we go. Okay, we got some We got some others that know it. Brother, won't you help me? I should not have started singing. Oh, my. I regretted it as soon as I started. Okay. Well, we're, that's, the, that's just the song that's kind of playing in my mind as I think about this. Building up the temple of the Lord. And uh, I was... Got a call last night as, uh, got a call from Brother Micah and, uh, he was just beginning to tell me about some, uh, things that he was thinking about. Uh, I, he didn't say it, but I, I suppose some of it might have been sparked from this Bible study that we've been in. And he was talking about the foundations and the, the importance of the foundations of building the temple and, and building the house of the Lord and just even building our own house. And, and we got talking about how it's not just, it's not just a physical temple that they were building. They, they were building the physical temple then, but, uh, the, the, uh, practical or the, the things that happened in, uh, in, in their, their lives that they were doing, we see spiritually uh, is applicable to the New Testament. And so the New Testament, who is, what is the temple? It is not just a building that you would go to to worship. We're not just talking about building this house that we are in here tonight, but we're talking about building the temple of the Lord that, and we are the temple, right? We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Every one of us is, is a temple that God would come, that he would dwell inside of us. And I'm thankful for the day of Pentecost that we just celebrated this past Sunday where it's not just, uh, not just God with us anymore, but it's God inside of us. And we are the temple here tonight. But it's not only that, that we are individually the temple of the Holy Ghost, but also collectively as the church, we are the stones. We are the ones that are, that make up the temple. Uh, make up the uh, the house of the Lord as the church, and every one of us plays an important part. All of us plays an important role within the church, and we uh, we each are are having we each have our own little part in the structure of the temple of the church, the temple of God, the house of God, and so uh, I believe there's there's so much that we could we could go into. With all of that, but we're going to go to Haggai chapter 2 and verse number 10 is where we're going to start. And we're just going to read several verses down to verse 19. So it says here that in the four and twentieth day of the ninth month. And so we, uh, I'll just pause there just to give you context from what we had been talking about 
If you've been here the last two Wednesdays, uh, this is two, two months after uh, the book of Haggai was really getting started. So they have restarted their building of the, of the temple. They have, they have gotten back to work. They were discouraged. We talked about that last week. Uh, they got discouraged a bit. And so they're about to give up. Now we go uh, another two months, and, and this is where we're coming into our text tonight. So it says, it was the second year of Darius, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Ask now the priests concerning the law, saying, If one bear holy flesh in the skirt of his garment, and with a skirt he does touch bread, or pottage, or wine, or oil, or any meat, shall it be holy? And the priest answered, and he said, No. And then said Haggai, if one that is unclean by a dead body touch any of these, shall it be unclean? And the priest answered, and he said, well, it shall be unclean. And then answered Haggai, and he said, so is this people, and so is this nation before me, saith the Lord. And so is every work of their hands, and that which they offer there is unclean. And now I pray you consider from this day and upward from before a stone was laid upon a stone in the temple of the Lord. Since those days were when one came to a heap of 20 measures, there were but 10. When one came to the press fat for to draw out 50 vessels out of the press, there were but 20. And I smote you with the blasting and with the mildew and with hail and and all the labors of your hands. And yet you turn not to me, saith the Lord. Consider now from this day and upward, from the four and twentieth day of the ninth month, even from the day the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider it, is the seed yet in the barn. Yea, as yet the vine and the fig tree and the pomegranate and the olive tree hath not brought forth, from this day will I bless you. That last phrase there is such an important phrase. He says, from this day will I bless you. Now we're going to unpack this passage here. Uh, a lot of that upon first reading may not make a whole lot of sense. Uh, so we're going to try to unpack this tonight and try to get to what is it that Haggai is trying to say to the people of Israel. And what is God trying to say to us? This is not just a, a history lesson tonight. This is not the, the goal of any of this uh, as, we, as we read through uh, these these scriptures is not just to learn about what was, but I want to learn about what is. I want to learn about what is this saying to me? What is God trying to say to me today through this passage? And so uh, we do, I believe, need to have an understanding of what was being said to them uh, in order to understand what's being said to us. So uh, in our in our last message, this series here tonight, God is speaking through Haggai and he's, he's speaking about a problem that they were dealing with. A problem that uh, I would venture to say that the majority of us in this room have also dealt with from time to time. And that is this issue of conditional obedience to God. Where we are obedient to God in many aspects, but there are some things that we have conditions on our obedience. There's things that we're saying, okay, God, I'm in as long as you're delivering. Or God, I'll obey as long as it doesn't cost me too much. 
No, there's a certain line that I'll draw. Or God, I will do what you want me to do as long as I see the results that I want to see. But if it makes me uncomfortable, or if I'm inconvenienced, or if you're not doing as I think that you should do, then there is a point at which I will back out, or I will back away. And that's this conditional obedience, where we are, are get uncomfortable with certain things, and we decide to back away. And really what it comes down to is an issue of the heart. It all comes down to an issue of our heart. Where is our heart really in it? Or are we just doing it to do it? Are we being obedient just because we know that it's the right thing to do? Or is it really something that is out of the abundance of the heart that, as Scripture says, the mouth speaketh? Or maybe we could say out of the abundance of the heart, our actions flow. And so tonight, our... um, Our title for tonight specifically is The Heartland because we're talking about the things of the heart. The heartland. The area that's dealing with the things of the heart. The areas that go beyond just obedience in what they were doing, which was building the temple. They've started building up the temple now. They've started doing the work. They've gotten back to work. Even when they were discouraged, they got back to work. But there was still some areas that God was trying to deal with that went beyond just their obedience to getting back to building the house. And he's saying there's still some things that are inside, still some things that are in the heart that we need to deal with. Conditional obedience is what he was driving at. And so... As we, uh, as I was, I was thinking, thinking back to times when, when myself, uh, you know, being prompted by God to do something and, and perhaps there's somebody else that has a similar story to this, but a time when God has kind of just worked on your heart, just kind of pushed you a little bit to, uh, to give in a service. There's, there's a pressing need. I, I remember a time when there was a, a, a missionary, who was uh, coming through, and I felt the need to give to that missionary, to that cause. And uh, I, I knew that I probably should have given uh, a certain amount. Probably should have, uh, I knew that God was pressing on me to give uh, a, an amount that at that time in my life would have been a pretty good sacrifice, which was uh, around $100. And yet, for myself, that made me a little nervous because I didn't have much more than $100 in my bank account. And so I gave the $10 that I had in my wallet instead of getting my checkbook out that I did actually carry in my car at that time um, and, and writing a $100 check. And so at that time, this is for myself, just thinking back to these times when I, I know that God is is prompting me to give a certain amount. And for myself, you might say that I had $10 obedience instead of $100 obedience. And to this day, I do kind of wonder, how how did God want to use that additional amount in the mission field? You know, how, how might that have been used? Or how, if I would have been obedient to God fully, 
Could there have been something else that would have opened up another door? And, and this is, I know, maybe a small thing. I could, I could go and I could give that $100 now. But it's all really about being obedient to God when God is prompting you to do something. And so I, I, I see this with my kids at home as well. You know, like when they just they hear what they want to hear. I know if there's anybody in here who has kids that your kids are not like this, but uh, there'll be at times when I'm like, hey, I need you to come and to, to help me do the laundry. And, and it's like, hey, kids, 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 like there's laundry over here. There's, there's laundry that needs done and they don't hear a thing of what I'm saying. Selective hearing. Yeah, they hear what they want to hear. Yeah, but then, but then I, I might say, Hey, there's some ice cream. And all of a sudden they come running in from every corner of the house and they're there. You know, climbing out, climbing out of the cupboards or climbing wherever they were at. They're like there because that's something that they want. That's something that they desire. It's, it's an issue of the heart. They're like, my heart is attached to the ice cream. It's attached to that one thing that I heard you say. And I, you said ice cream. I'm there, but you say laundry and, uh, no thank you. I, uh, Sorry, I gotta go to the bathroom, and I gotta go, and I gotta do this or that. But we can all be like that with God. Every one of us can be like that, the same thing. When God is speaking to us about certain things, that there's, there's some things that it's really easy to respond to, and there's other things where it's much more difficult. But God, He will ask us to do difficult things. He will ask us to do things that challenge us. He'll ask us to do things that, that push us beyond the boundaries of, of where we're comfortable. He'll ask us to uh, prompt us to give $100 when we only have $10 in our wallet. He'll prompt us to go and to, to pray for somebody when we're like, I don't even know that person. And God says, I want you to go and pray for them. Uh, he'll prompt us to go and to, to teach a Bible study when we're like, I, I'm not very comfortable in teaching a Bible study, but God is, is asking you to do it. Or maybe God is just prompting you to make a friend. You're like, I think I'm good with just me, myself, and I at home. And I'm good with that. But God says, you know what? We're going to expand your boundaries today. And we're going to make a friend. And we're going to have somebody that you are just going to love. And I'm going to show my love. Or, or you're, going to, you're going to show my love to them through this relationship or through this friendship. And there's times where God is prompting us to do things. Where, where we, it, it's up to us to be obedient. He's never going to make us do any of this. God's a gentleman. He's never going to force himself on us. He's never going to force his agenda on us. But he will ask us to do things. Now, there's some things uh, that Scripture has to say that are very difficult, such as love your enemies. Pray for those who despitefully use you. Yeah, but you don't know my enemies. I'm not forgive my enemies. I hate my enemies. Okay? But God says pray for your enemies. Love them. Okay? Love them. Forgive them. Now, when you do that, that's $100 obedience. That's that, you know, you, you have like a $10 budget, but it's a $100 obedience. It's all, all I've got is $10 here. Of $10 of forgiveness. 
And I can't go beyond that, but God's saying, I need you to go beyond that because being fully obedient to me, it's going to change something in your heart. It's going to begin to deal with some things in your heart. And so, here tonight, uh, with this kind of coming back to this passage, we have, we have the people of God, they've, they've begun to build back the temple of the Lord. If you remember, remember back, um, towards the beginning of this book, the people had stopped the construction on the temple. They had stopped, uh, they had gone back, you know, it'd been 50 years since that, since their temple had been destroyed. They finally get the blessing, the okay to go back to Jerusalem and to start to rebuild. And they began to do it, um, and they ran into uh, a few uh, hardships. And so they, they stopped all of their construction, and they went. And for 14 years, they were just building their own houses. They were just doing uh, everything that was convenient for themselves and not doing the will of God. And so Haggai gets up, and he, he prompts them to get back to rebuilding the temple, prompts them to get back to doing what they were supposed to be doing. And so... Um, here he is. He, now they are rebuilding the temple. They're doing the thing that they were called to do. But yet there was still an issue of the heart. There was still some things that that fully they had not given themselves to God. That they were not uh, they were not really uh, trusting God with their whole heart. And so here we have this conditional obedience that is beginning to set in. And God, he's he's not. Here's the thing. God does not give us options to consider. He gives us commands to obey. When I say that he, he, he allows us free choice, but he's, he's not saying that there's all these things that are the right way to do it. He gives us a command. Now, we have the, the ability to obey the command or not to obey it, but, but he, he's giving them a very clear command for them and in this instance, the command is holiness. So this is something that has never changed. God has never wavered on this front. And so Haggai begins asking some questions. At the beginning of our text here tonight, Haggai had two questions that uh, he was asking the priest. And uh, Haggai knew the answers to these questions. He was not asking them for clarity for his own sake. He was, a, he was asking these questions to get them to think about something bigger. And so the two questions that Haggai asks, it's in, uh, it's in verse 12 and in verse 13. He said, if one bear holy flesh in the skirt of his garment, and with this skirt he does touch bread or pottage or wine or oil or any meat, shall it be holy? Now this May seem like something that is very trivial or something that, that does, you know, really doesn't amount to much. You're, I guess to put this into more common language, what he's, what he's saying is, if you have a robe and your robe is a, is some of the holy garments that are, are meant to be worn when you go into the temple. And these, these garments, they were, Set apart for that purpose. These were not their common garments. They couldn't just wear, wear common clothes when they went to the temple. And so he's saying, if you have these holy clothes and you allow something that is unclean, and now understand, especially in their day, they, they understood the difference between clean and unclean. That is, this was a very important concept to the Jews, something that is clean and something that is unclean. And uh, that's, that's not talking about just dirt, 
you know, rubbed on it and it's, it's dirty, it needs washed off. It's, it's talking about ceremonially unclean. It's something that, uh, that God has declared to be uh, unfit or un, unholy. And so uh, for them, what he's saying is, if you have your holy garments and you allow something that is unclean to touch those garments, is that going to is the holiness of those garments going to rub off on whatever touched it and make it holy? So that's the first question that he asks. By that unholy thing touching the garment, does it make, does it rub off its holiness and cause that thing to become clean? And they said, no, it doesn't. Okay? If we put it into our context today, uh, if maybe you, uh, you have a dirty plate, anybody ever had some spaghetti sauce and that the spaghetti sauce, it, it gets on your hands as you're like trying to wash or it gets on your washcloth as, uh, it's probably a better analogy. You're using a washcloth and, and you begin to wash it. That spaghetti sauce, it gets on, it comes off onto the, onto that rag, right? It, it, it rubs off onto that and that, that dirty thing or that, that clean, uh, or that, that dirty spaghetti sauce comes onto that clean garment. And it's the same thing that he's saying here. This is not that physical illustration, but, uh, but he's saying that that holiness does not rub off on that which is unclean. Instead, uh, and actually he asked this, this question the opposite direction. Uh, he says, okay, if there is a dead body or something that is unclean and it touches something that is clean, uh, what's going to happen? And, and the priest answered, he says, well, that thing that is clean will be unclean. And so he's what he's trying to get them to understand is that something that is sinful, something that is unclean, it spreads to that which is clean. It doesn't go the other way around. For them, he's saying, that which is defiled, the thing that's defiled, is going to have a direct effect on that which is clean. So sin spreads easier than holiness. That's the corruptive power of sin. Paul talks about the same thing in the New Testament. If you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 33 Paul, he's just, he's talking on a, in a broad sense here about the people that we hang around with. He says, don't be misled that bad company corrupts good character. I'm sure you've seen that before. You're working in youth ministry. I've seen it a whole bunch of times. That bad company corrupts good character. The people that you hang around will eventually have an effect on you, have an influence on you. And now I, I don't want to get us, get our minds twisted here tonight and to say that we can never become friends with, that we can never hang around with people that are not church people. Okay? That's not the goal. That is not the, that's not what Jesus did. And you say, you might say, well, that's, that's Jesus. Yeah, but, but Jesus was giving us an example. He was a friend of sinners. He associated himself with people who were sick spiritually. He said, how can they become whole unless I come to them who need the healer? Unless I come to them who need healing in their bodies. And so, uh, and so this is not to say that, 
that we cannot associate ourselves with somebody who is not a not a church member because they need they need to be influenced but we also have to be careful we have to be careful because the people that we hang around do have an influence on us And there does come a certain point where the corruptive power of sin will come onto that which is clean or will will come and have an effect on us. And this is this goes well beyond just the people that we hang around with, because there is a corruptive power of sin that that which is holy does not does not transfer to the to the sinner uh, but rather, more often, it's the other way around. That the sin, because of the works of the flesh, and because all of us are flesh, there is that transference that goes uh, goes from the that which is corrupted to that which is uh, that which is pure, that which is whole. And so, Haggai is trying to get the people to under to remember this concept. This was not a new concept to them. This was not. Something that was uh, that Haggai was teaching them for the very first time. They knew this, and that's why Haggai asked these two questions. He didn't tell them these things, but rather he asked these questions, and the priest confirmed to him that yes, you're of course that which is unclean is going to affect that which is clean. And so, uh, and so here, after answering these two questions, the people I'm sure were wondering, okay, what is Haggai really getting at here? And maybe you're wondering the same thing tonight, because this is not just about the people that we hang around. This is not just about the things that, uh, that, that we touch or the things that we do. But in verse 14, Haggai, he said, so is, the peop- so is this people, and so is this nation before me, saith the Lord. And so is every work of their hands, and that which they offer there is unclean. The work of their hands. What is he talking about? He's talking about them building the temple. Them constructing this, this house of God back to its former glory. And he's, he's saying that while they're doing this, they're doing a good work. But if they do it and their heart is not right, then everything that they're doing is not going to restore them back into God's good graces. If they're just coming and doing this, this work, if they're just showing up, but it's not, and it's not uh, out of the abundance of their hearts, then all of that work is not really going to get God's attention. Just building the temple back is not what God's desire is. God's desire is that from our heart that we would come with pure hearts and clean hands and that we would build the temple back to God and that we would do it in such a way that it would be a place where we could come and that we could worship God freely. And so what is this saying to us today, here tonight, is that just going through the motions doesn't really get God's attention. And we're here on a Wednesday night, and God bless you. Thank you for being here on a Wednesday night Bible study. But just because we're here tonight doesn't necessarily mean that our heart is in it. I think it's a pretty good indication that your heart is in it because you've made the effort to be here. But you can just show up 
and your heart not be in it. And God is trying really to get hold of your heart. And that happens not on a Wednesday night Bible study inside of this, this temple, inside of this building. But that happens on a Monday morning when you get up. And God's got a hold of your heart. That happens on a Tuesday afternoon at work. And God begins speaking to you about doing something. And you respond to him because you have that relationship that you're building. You have that relationship with him. And God is saying, hey, we're trying to get at something that goes much beyond just the the status quo of, of being a religious person. A religious person will show up on Sunday and they might clap their hands. They might even lift up their hands and sing a song. But somebody who really has relationship with me, somebody whose heart is really in it, they're going to, they're going to hear my voice when I'm speaking to them when they're driving down the road and I say, hey, turn right because I've got someone I need you to meet over here. Or I need you just to go and just to drop something off to this person just to let them know that they, they're, that you're thinking of them. And God begins to prompt you in this way and that way because your heart, your heart is connected. You're, you're in a place where your heart is connected to God. It's not just about going through the motions, but now it's an, it's an attitude of the heart. And when you get your heart right, then you can truly give, you can truly bring an offering back, an offering to God that He will accept, something that God truly loves in the, when we worship Him. In fact, We'll see that in in Matthew chapter 5, and I'm just going to paraphrase it here. Matthew chapter 25, Jesus addresses this. He says, if you're going to go to church one day and you want to give an offering, then you need to go up to the altar and give that offering. But first, make sure your heart's right. Because if you have odd against somebody or if you you are not, you know, in right, if you need to get some things fixed, then get your heart right because that relationship matters where your heart is at matters before you would ever come and that you would give that offering of praise to me. So get your heart right because your heart is really the thing that matters when God is looking at it. Again, if you're a parent, you, you understand this to be true because um, a time or two your kids will they'll get you know going at one another and it's like, Hey, I need you to go tell your brother you're sorry. Right? And they go over there. Sorry! (laughs) And then they walk away. It's like, no, 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 no. That doesn't count. Okay? That was the right thing, but the wrong heart. So then they're like, all right. Sorry. Okay. Still doesn't count. Almost. Not quite. Let's try a third time. And this time, in fact, let's end it with a hug. And so they hug each other. They say, sorry. The heart maybe is in it. I don't know. But at least it sounds like their heart's in it now. (laughs) And they made up. But attitude matters. Attitude matters. That if your heart isn't right, whatever you do is completely wrong. Right? So what, what do we see so often. So a lot of times we say, you know, God, I'll obey you. I'll obey you. I'll obey you. As long as it's something that I want to do. But if it's not something that I want to do, then my heart really is not going to be in it. If it doesn't cost me too much, God, then I'll obey you. This conditional obedience, these things where it's like, God, 
I will obey you. I'll do whatever you, God, I'll, I'll go to the ends of the earth. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, the ends of the earth actually cost me a lot of stuff. It's not just a great big adventure. But God, he's actually going to require a lot of things from us. We're going to have to sacrifice. And, and all of a sudden, our heart's no longer in it. And we feel like, ah, I really can't do that, God. And we don't obey God in, in everything because it costs too much. Or now all of a sudden it's going against what our heart desires. And we obey God because of what we want a lot of times instead of who he is. And that's really what God, God wants that God, I obey you because of who you are. And I obey you because you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God, I obey you and I'm going to build the temple here. Not because it's, not because Haggai told me to. Not because Zerubbabel told me to. But God, I'm going to build the temple because my heart's in it. God, because I desire to build this up. And God, I'm going to do it with clean hands and a pure heart. God, I'm going to do this in, in the way that you desire for me to do it. And so God's, Speaking to the people here through Haggai, it's in, in verse 15. He said, now I pray you, consider from this day and upward from before a stone was laid upon a stone in the temple of the Lord. And if you were here last week, you might remember us talking about that, building that stone by stone. Uh, but what he's saying here is before they ever laid the foundation, uh, you know, that you were drinking, but you were still thirsty. And that you were eating, but you were still full, or, or but you were not full. You're putting money in your pockets that had holes in it and, and you were doing everything that you could in order to have meaning in this life and you were still empty in this life and you were accumulating all this wealth but it really wasn't going anywhere. You weren't having the, the kind of joy and, and satisfaction that you thought that you would have and you're working your tail off but you're not getting ahead. And so all these things were happening and he says, you know, you remember that? Remember before all of these things and now God's promise that if you get back to what matters, then things are going to start to shape up. Things are going to start to look better in your life. And he says, so now you guys are doing it. And what you're hoping for, he says, you hope for 20 bushels of crop and you only harvested 10. You hope for 50 gallons from the wine press, you only got 20. Okay? So you were doing everything that you could and now you're still not getting ahead. And so now what did God do? He says, he sent the blight and the mildew and the hail. All of these, it's hearkening back to the, the curses, these things from uh, the book of Leviticus. Uh, what, what God said, if they're not living a holy life, then there would be blight, mildew, hail. All these things would come and get God would be against them. And, and that's a really hard thing for us to kind of understand, that God would be against us. Here they are. They're working their tails off. They're working really hard to do this. And if I'm honest, in my flesh, I don't really like that picture of God thinking that here they are building the temple. They're doing that out of obedience and there's, and God still is against them. And that's what God's saying is I'm still, I'm against you in that moment. But we get to see in verse, um, see verse 17. Verse 17, he says, I smote you with the blasting wind and with the mildew and with the hail and all the labors of your hands. And yet you turned not to me. And that right there, you turned not to me. That verse helps us to see what this was all about. That God, the whole reason that he was not giving them these, these promises, the whole reason that he wasn't, wasn't answering their, their prayers was because he was trying to get their attention. 
He's trying to say, hey, I need your heart. You guys haven't turned your hearts to me yet. You're doing the work, but you haven't turned your hearts to me. And that's his goal. You haven't turned yourself to me. Your, your hearts are not in this. This kind of goes back to, um, goes back to uh, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. Then will I uh, forgive their sins. Then will I restore their land. He says it's, it's at that point. It's, it's an issue of the heart. And it's interesting, I guess, to go back to that scripture because that scripture comes from the first time that the temple was dedicated, when Solomon was dedicating the temple. And so, uh, and so this, it's, it's all about an issue of the heart, and that's what he's, he's trying to say to them. It's, okay, we've gotten you back on track, and I know it's December now. It's the end of the year. But don't get discouraged because these things aren't happening yet. There's still something that you need to do, and that's let's get our heart right. See, what I've discovered about God is that sometimes God may not change your situation because God's trying to change your heart. (laughs) We need to understand that sometimes God will allow something bad to happen with a purpose of getting our attention and drawing our hearts back to Him. There's other times, probably many, many more times when bad things are the result of our of a spiritual enemy that's it's attacking God's people, you know, or just the reality that we live in a sinful, in a broken, uh, broken world. There's bad things that happen even to good people. Uh, so there's if there's something bad going on in your life right now, it doesn't it doesn't mean that you deserve it, and God's trying to get your attention. That's not. That's not what every trial means. It's not what every test that comes your way means. It doesn't mean that you uh, are sinful, just like that that blind man that 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 was you know asked, oh, is is he blind because of his parents' sins? And and Jesus said, no, it's not because of that. This just happens in life sometimes. It's not because of some failure, some some sin before this. But there are times that God will use our stubbornness. To allow us to go through some trials so that our heart can be turned back to God. There are times when God may allow these things to to get our attention, to turn ourselves back to God. So here God is is trying or is is allowing these, these, these hardships to continue on the people of Israel as they're building this temple back. And he's saying, I'm allowing it to still happen because their hearts haven't been turned back to me. They're doing the work, but, they're, but I, they haven't given me their hearts. So he's trying to get their attention. And really, any loving parent would do the same thing with a rebellious child. That if your child is, is irresponsible with the phone, then you're going to take that phone away. You're going to cut off the supply. You're not punishing them by doing that. You're, re, you're Really, you're restoring them. Right? There's corrective things that need to take place in order to restore. If your if your child is responsible or is irresponsible with a car, then you're going to take away the car keys before they get hurt, before they they get killed. You're not punishing them; you're restoring them. You know it's something that they do, and so, so we do this as parents because we desire for their hearts 
to return to the values that are good. And until they do, as a responsible parent, we, we cut off their supply to it. And that's what God is doing right there to his people. He's, he's cutting off the supply to his blessings until they get their hearts right. And so God is not, he's not trying to just punish just because, just to punish them. He's trying to get their hearts right. And so, uh, we look back at this, at this, um, you know, what the people of, of Israel are doing. And he's saying, you used to love me. You used to serve me. You used to put me first. You used to make me a priority. And I, I used to be first. But at some point, you turned to idols. And I, now I, I want your heart back. I want your heart back. And when you do it, there's going to be blessings that are going to out, or begin to flow out. And this is why I have a title of the heartland. is because... Not only is it about our hearts, and really the whole theme of this book, building back the temple, or building back the house of the Lord, but what we see is God begins to say that when you do this, I'm going to start blessing your fields, I'm going to start blessing your homes, I'm going to start blessing the whole land, all of this. All of these things, Now, because that's what they were worried about, they're worried that that. The blessings aren't coming. He says, are the, are the barns full yet? Is the seed yet in the barn? He's saying, hey, there's still potential. There's still things that God is going to bless you with in your home, in your barns, in your crops, in your finances. There's all these things in the, out in the lands that when you get your hearts right, God's going to begin to bless all of that. So now, here you are and you're building the house. And when your heart's Get right. You're going to see my blessings begin to flow out. And this, this is really the, uh, the, the finale of this book. It's not just about building something great that others can look at. But it's about building something great that God can look at. Building something right in here. And I want us... All of us to ask ourselves that same question of, all right, God, am I just, am I just going through the motions? Am I just doing, doing things for you just because I know it's the right thing to do? Am I just, am I just showing up to, to Sunday worship or am I just giving my tithes, uh, you know, just because it's the right thing to do? Or am I doing it because my heart is in it and because I love you that much? And God, whatever you say for me to do, God, I will respond and I will do it. God, is there anything outside of my boundaries that I have set (laughs) that if you were to ask me to do them, that I would say no? And if there is, God, then then let me check my heart and where it's really at. Jesus began talking about this issue again when he was was really quoting from the book of Isaiah. But he said, these people, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And I think that one of the biggest problems with Western Christianity is this issue of conditional obedience. That I'll do the God thing as long as it's going well for me. I'll honor, with, I'll honor him with my lips, but where's my heart at? And the beauty of this story is that God gets their hearts. 
Not only were they going to be building the temple in obedience, but God, he's going to get their hearts. And God is going to pour out blessings. And this is an amazing part of this story that, that God gets to begin to pour out his blessings upon his people. And this is the time that God, God is really just, there's a party going on in heaven because God gets their hearts. He allows, he allows them enough time to, uh, to, to get an understanding of what this is really all about. And God says, I'm going to give you this promise right now. While the seed is still in the barn, while the seed is still in the barn, and, and you see the potential that maybe something's going to happen, that while all of that's still waiting, I'm just going to begin to pour out my blessings right now. I'm just going to begin to pour out my blessings because because I have your hearts now. That's why I said, from this day will I bless you. From this day, I'm going to bless you. The storehouses are going to be full. The silos are going to be full. And when you put God first in your life here tonight, when you give him your heart, I believe that everything else is going to be full in your life. Not that everything else is going to perfectly line up, but everything else is going to be full because God, because God satisfies every need. God satisfies everything that you need. When you give him your whole heart, when you give him your whole mind, when you give him everything and say, God, my one and only desire is to just to be with you. And we sang that song tonight. We had our, our worship team in here. I might bring them back up and, and to sing that song as we come to a close. Just to be with you. That's my desire. God, I just want to be with you. In fact, if we could just stand in this place here tonight. Out of the heart surrendered. Out of hands lifted up in this place. God, I just want to be with you. God, I just want to be in your presence. God, I don't want to just be, just be coming to church out of obedience. I don't just want to be coming and, and, and lifting up my hands or just doing, uh, doing the acts of service out of, uh, out of obedience. But God, let it be out of the abundance of my heart. God, I pray that out of relationship, God, that everything else would flow, that all my acts of service, that all of my obedience, God, all of that would flow out of my heart. God, a heart that is connected to you. God, a heart that loves you. God, a heart, God, that is, is, is intimately um, intertwined, God, with the, with the cares and the desires that you would have. God, let your heart drive my heart. God, let your heart for the lost drive me. God, let your, your love, God, for those who are around me. God, let that be my heart as well. Lord, I pray here tonight that this church would get a hold of your heart. God, this church, God, that we would seek relationship first. God, not obedience first. God, obedience is, is necessary, but God, relationship, God, is what needs to be at the root of it. Relationship needs to be the foundation. God, let our heart, God, be the foundation of it all. God, let a heart that desires the things that you desire be the foundation of everything. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. God, we praise you. Amen, amen. Well, God bless you here tonight. Amen. We have prayer, 6 o'clock on Saturday, if you're able to be here. Amen. Please, uh, if you, um, also, if you uh, have not signed up for the rummage sale, we, we're going to have.